Morning all. Morning to those of you watching online this morning as well on this 19th, 19th of December. It's got a little snow. We're ready for Christmas, hopefully. Did all your shopping? Yeah, okay, don't raise your hand. I'm not raising mine. Um, we are in the final message of, you saw that opening video of this series we've been doing for a handful of weeks. It's been focused, one series on a single passage of Scripture. It's unique uh, for me anyway. John chapter 4, Jesus in this extended discussion uh, with a woman unnamed, the Samaritan woman. But in this final section, we're going to look at just a few verses here this morning. Both Jesus and the Samaritan woman Model for us what it looks like to share your faith, to share our faith with people uh, in our lives today. What you'll see is it's not a technique, sharing our faith. It's a way of loving people in our lives and pointing them to God. Loving people in our lives and pointing them to God. You have a copy of the Bible. Pick up where we left off last Sunday. Again, our final message, John chapter 4, just a few verses, verses 39 to 42 in a message titled, Open Your Heart. Open Your Heart. Follow along as I read these words. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. Quote, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now, I don't know if you've been here all five weeks, many of you know this story, but one of the most important lessons we can learn from this entire account is you don't need to live a perfect life to point people to Jesus, okay? Why is this story here? Why take up an almost an entire chapter of the Gospel of John? Why do people... Even if you're listening to me today and you stumbled on the wrong link and you don't go to church and you're not a Christian background person, you've probably heard of the story of the woman at the well. It's a pretty famous story. Why is this person doesn't even get a name, her first name, but is known by people um, all over the world, certainly Christians? Why Jesus, why God profile her? In this way, I think one of the most important reasons is to let us know that you don't need to live a perfect life to point people to Jesus. What stands out about her testimony? Okay, it's summarized a couple times in this whole passage. doesn't say very much, but let me tell you what stands out about her testimony. It's not her changed behavior. Okay? I mean, how much could her life change in 24 hours, 48 hours? It's not her changed behavior. Changed behavior takes time, right, in my life and in your life. What stands out is her strong belief in the love of God and in the power of Jesus, a love that touched her heart, obviously, as you will read this story, and words that brought a new kind of strength to her life. Here's the point. Our lives, my life, 
is not the story. It's a means of pointing people to God. Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Come meet a man who saw the worst in me and still loved me anyway. It's about him, right? You don't need a perfect life to point people to God. If you're a Christian listening to me today, right, you have a testimony, right, of how your, your, the gospel first impacted your life. And if you're a Christian here today and have been one for a long time, as I have anyway, some of us have, you have a story of how God, I hope, is impacting your life today. Some of you became a Christian before you ever got married. Now you got a testimony before you ever had parents, or excuse me, parents, had kids, right? Just making sure you're awake. Before you ever had kids, before you ever, before you ever had a job that went upside down, before you lost your job, before you lost your health, uh, the perfect health, okay? You have a testimony of how you first, gospel first impacted your life, and I hope you're having a testimony, you're building one, of how the gospel is impacting your life, Right? This is what we're telling people. The story is not about us, but our lives of how what God is doing in our lives can point people to Jesus. This woman's testimony, right? It's mentioned twice in this passage for a reason, verse 29 and verse 39. But here's the point. Our witness, think about it, happens not in spite of an imperfect life, not in spite of my brokenness, but often because of it, right? That's what we learned from this woman. She'd been a Christian for 24 hours. Come meet a man who changed my life. It's not about her behavior. That takes time. Our witness happens. My witness happens. Your witness happens. Not in spite of your brokenness, but because of it. Here's some of the problem with some of us, with the people in our lives. We're trying to put our best foot forward. That's not what it's about. I'm not going to tell people about what God has done in my life by hiding the fact that I've had a failure of a kind, by hiding the things that God has done to work in my life. I'm not going to talk to you about my divorce. I'm not going to talk to you about my, 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 the sinful uh, things that God has healed in my life. I'm not going to talk to you about this struggle or that struggle. I'm not going to lead with that, right? When this is what this woman is doing. She's from this, a very small town. Everyone in this town knew what she was about, that she was a broken woman that had multiple relationships. Maybe she was even a prostitute by, by economic need. Who knows? But she went back there and said, listen, it's not about me. Let me tell you about a man who saw everything, the worst of me, and loved me anyway. Look at the Apostle Paul's testimony. Listen carefully to these words saying the same thing about himself. But we have this treasure, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Let me unpack, if I need to, this very rich, deep, theological paragraph. What's he saying? We have this treasure. Leave that verse up there, guys. We have this treasure, 
What is the treasure? It's the gospel itself. It's the forgiveness of sin. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Specifically, it's the Holy Spirit of God that is given to us. We are given this as a deposit of our faith. Ephesians chapter 4. As we trust in Christ, God, Jesus says, I, as the Father is in me, so I will be in you. Okay? We have this treasure, Paul says, in jars of clay. It's a simple image. He's talking about humanity. He's saying, listen, I'm talking about the frailty of humanity. I'm talking about the weakness of humanity. And he uses, for us it's not such a, you know, a, a, an immediate uh, a understanding of this kind of metaphor, but jars of clay, right, were, were, were common in the first century. They were used for everything. They were used to store things. They were used to cook things. Listen, they were used as a toilet, Okay, in the first century. Jars of clay, jars of earth. They were a very common thing. They were very expendable. They were very breakable. Okay? And he's saying, listen, that's who we are. We have this treasure. And Paul, by the way, when he's writing this, had not been a Christian for two days. He'd been one for maybe 22 years. Okay? And he's saying, still, all these years later, let me tell you about me. We have this in this jar of clay, in my broken life, in my weak life, in my humanity. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is not about me, right? It's not about me. It's from God, not from us. I still remain as of the 13th apostle, as your pastor, as the leader of this yearly church, hard-pressed, perplexed, struck down. That didn't stop. But we carry around, another sort of image, around in our body the death of Jesus. In other words, the, the cross is doing a work over time to crucify the sin in my life. It's a, it's a lifelong process. Watch this. So that the life of Jesus might be revealed in my body. This is what it's about. It's not about you. It's not about your story. It's not about your accomplishments. It's not about putting your best foot forward. It's about being honest. It's about being true. About, listen, I there but for the grace of God go I. But let me tell you this, friend. Let me tell you about a man who saw me at my worst and loved me anyway, who died on a cross and rose from the dead. He can do that for you. That's what it's about. You don't need a perfect life to point people to Jesus. One of the greatest affirmations I have gotten, received, about my faith in recent years came from a guy I was in a group with, um, a coaching group of professionals that I found my way into. And I was in this group, um, Not uh, I was the only minister in there, um, were there other Christians? Perhaps. I don't know. That wasn't really the point of the group. But it was a group of professionals. I was in this group. We met every Monday for four years. Now my time was to finish this group. And when we got to the end of this, now well, what's the point of this group? I should say this. How did I get in this group? I got in this group, I think the way most of the people got in this group, because of professional challenges, Right? I was, you know, whether these guys were, you know, uh, business guys or, or, or medical practices, whatever. I'm this pastor of a church. But we got into this group because we're having some challenges in our work. But when you're in a group for a period of time, 
in this case four years, you, you eventually go from talking about the challenges you have at work to talking about the challenges you have in your life and you realize these things are often connected, okay? That was the point of this group. But we got done in this group. I, it was, at least it was my t- time to leave. It was my last uh, meeting. And this one guy said to me, um, Jewish guy, and he said, you know, I appreciate you being here. Uh, it's been great. I, I've enjoyed the time. But he said this, you've changed my mind on um, what I thought Christians were really all about. You've changed my mind on what I thought Christians were really all about. When he said that, he wasn't saying that because he'd spent the last four years hearing me talk about all the good things that I did, right? That wasn't the point of this group. He said that, I sense, I hope, I believe, because he saw somehow Christ in me despite the fact that he mostly heard about my struggles and my failures as a leader or as a person, right? You don't need to live a perfect life to point people to God. Our lives are not the story. Very often, our witness happens not in spite of our brokenness, our imperfections, but because of it. Point number two, time with people is the basis of your witness. Time with people is the basis of your witness. This is the only time. Again, why is this story here? Why is it so important? This is the only time in the Gospels, pre-crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, that Samaritans at all become Christians. Okay, Think about that for a minute. If you did a word search, and you could do this, in the Gospels, and Samaritans in there, you know, the good Samaritan, the, the one of the lepers who was a Samaritan, you know, there's, there's these random discussions. One time they say to Jesus, the, 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 the religious leaders, and they're challenging him, and they don't like him, and they, and they call him in a derogatory sense, didn't we say this guy's a Samaritan? In other words, he's no good, right, the, the religious leaders. So you see the word sprinkled around in the Gospels, but mostly, almost exclusively, except when Jesus might be using it in an ironic way like the Good Samaritan, it's negative. This is the only time in the Gospels where Samaritans become Christians because for centuries, we learned this in the very first message in this series, right? We learned this through the, through the voice of the, of the woman. For the very first time in, in, in centuries, or for many centuries, they'd been shut out from access to the temple, the Jewish temple, just miles south of where Samaria was, and the promises of God. Remember, this is what the woman says. When Jesus says to her, can you give me a drink? She says, what are you talking about? Me? Give you a drink? Are you kidding me? People like you don't talk to people like me or people like us, right? She said that. For centuries, they'd been shut out. Jesus, two days with these people, had a profound impact on them. So when the Samaritans came to him, they come out in verse 30 to him, they urge him, would you come back to our town with us? The disciples, they thought even just going through Samaria, just walking through Samaria, looking to their left, looking to their right, how can we get out of here? They thought that was a bridge too far. They thought that was too much. Now Jesus isn't only talking to this woman, now the townspeople come back after hearing her very short testimony they say, will you come back to our town? He not only goes back to the town. He, they urged him, and he stayed with them 
two days. Why does the Bible say that? I think it's making a point. Why bother giving us that detail? Because he's trying to make a point. Time with people is the basis of your witness. It's the basis of our witness. It's why this group of people who had grown up for generations, centuries, if you know your Old Testament history, the Samaritans thought people who are Jewish, the promises of God vis-a-vis the Jewish covenant and what's happening in Jerusalem, this big, beautiful temple, these things have nothing to do with us. We have no access. These people don't even like us. And here comes this guy, a teacher, a rabbi, someone who's special from Jerusalem. And he comes. And I, I, I have to believe that in the small little town of Sakar. It does actually exist today as a different name. Still very small. But the small little town of Sakar, uh, I doubt it had a Hilton Hotel. Okay, I doubt it had somewhere to stay. I'm sure, I'm confident that if you take this story as fact as it's written, Jesus and his 12 grumpy disciples basically stayed in the homes of these people. Breakfast, lunch, Dinner, after dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, after dinner. They didn't just use the forks and knives that they did. They drank from the cups. They broke bread together. They slept in these beds. They spent time with these people. Okay? And that's what changed things. And this is what they're modeling. It, they opened, it opened their hearts to the words, verse 41, and because of his words... Verse 41 happens after verse 40, after he spent two days with them. Because of his words, now watch this, many more became believers. The idea is not just the dozens and dozens or however many people that came out. Look unto the fields. They're ripe unto harvest, Jesus said. See all those people running towards us? That's the purpose of the church. That's why they're here. It's to reach those people that you just walked by and and didn't even spend time talking to disciples. They're coming to us. Now they went back to the town. And it's not just those groups of people. Now many more come because Jesus and his disciples spent two days there. And many more became believers. They discovered that God's love was big enough and wide enough to include them, okay? Time with people, now I'm talking about non-Christians, is the basis of your witness. Jesus didn't come to town and drop leaflets from a plane, right? He spent time with them. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says this. You've heard this before. A virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay? This is what it's all about. God, and let me say this, God with us. Some of you may have heard, there's a, there's a theological term, okay? Proper theology is called the omnipresence of God. Right? Some of you have heard that, some of you haven't. There's a lot of terms about uh, the, the character of God. Let me tell you what the omnipresence of God means. It means that God has an ability to be everywhere at the same time. It's a, it's a description of the character to the best of our abilities, theologians, the nature of God, that God has the ability, even though I don't understand it, I couldn't really explain it to you, he has the ability to be everywhere at the same time. But what we're talking about here. Emmanuel, that we just sang about God with us, is talking about something a little bit different than that. 
It's talking about the, that Christ dwells inside of you. Paul the Apostle will talk about the use these words. We'll use these words. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It means inside of you if you're a follower of Jesus. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what he has done for you. Because you humbled yourself and opened your life to the grace and gift of God. And God came in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. Right? God is with you. And when you are with people, when you choose, when I choose to be with people, not hand them a piece of paper, not a quick transaction, but to be with people, even when you're not talking about the things of God, God is with you and God is with them. Say, that's what we're learning from this passage. Time with people is the basis of your witness. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I mentioned this to you briefly um, a couple months ago. I went to Kosovo, where I'd been a missionary 20 years ago. I went there. The purpose of this trip was, as I said before, was just me and three of my friends um, going to a place where we hadn't been in 20 years together, and uh, really just for the purpose of walking the streets, you know, and, 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 and just being together in a place that we all four of us had a life-transforming experience 20 years ago. That was the whole point. Not a lot of planning went into it. No, no advance notice to anybody else that we knew there. We just wanted to do this and just see what happened. First day we got there, we sat down at a cafe. We said, okay, now we're here. You know, we had 24 hours behind us, and we said, Let's, who do we want to visit? This is, how, this is how unplanned this was. We picked eight people. We said, it's small town, and uh, we, we knew our way around. We just said, we'll just show up and knock on the door and see what happens. Nobody knew we were coming. Except one guy that was a Christian that was our, our buddy. No one else knew we were coming. We showed up. Now, if, if had you been, you know, uh, uh, someone that was near this visit, you know, within across the street from these eight visits, you would have thought, in all eight of these cases, that what was happening before you was this was a family reunion. I mean, even I was blown away. I, my expectations were, were completely blown away. We'd knock on the door. These people would come out. You would, twenty years in most of the cases, they hadn't seen us. Hugs, kisses, red carpet. We come in and have something to eat. One of these families, okay, I've got a picture to show you. I'll tell you a quick, very quick story. Showed up to this house, and the guy in the center of this picture in the orange shirt, he's the kind of the, the heart of this story. And to, to summarize the story very quickly, he, back in this time, he, he was a young man. He's not so old there, but, he's, but he was a much younger man 20 years ago. And uh, his, two of his brothers were killed in this mess. His father was already dead. And all of a sudden, overnight, he becomes the sort of patriarch of this whole family, including his two brothers' widows. He, he had one child of his own and his, uh, to his uh, his right is his wife, to his left is his mother, and then those three girls are his daughters. Well, we knocked on the door, and I'll tell you, let me quickly think about his story. We, we not only did he have this tragedy um, of all the loss of his family, but when we met him, they, th this, this war that happened in, in, in uh, Yugoslavia at the time, in this case Kosovo, but it was true in all these wars, they would come in and not just kill people, civilians, it's genocide, not, not you know, armed combat with soldiers often. But they would also destroy their property because ethnic cleansing means they want people to leave the, 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 the country, the town. And they had destroyed, in, in, among other things, this guy's um, tractor. They were farmers. So one of the things that we did that made this story so rich and memorable for them and for us was 
we pulled together our money back in the States. We, 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 you know, we, 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 we raised however many thousands of dollars. We bought this guy a tractor. And it was so rich because I still remember this. You know, we, we got someone who knew how to drive the tractor. And we, 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 we got behind them in a car and we made our way through this. You know, it probably took us 45 minutes to go to this little town. It was like a parade, right? And we pull into this guy's house with this brand new tractor. That was part of the story, okay? So we, we uh, knock on the door. He's not home. But the girl in the middle of that photo with the phone, she... Uh, only, the, only the girl with the um, closest to the guy in the orange shirt, two over, is, was alive during that time. The other two were born after uh, the time we were there. But that girl with the phone, she came out, and she brought with her another picture. In this picture, which she must have took out of a drawer or maybe off a wall, was a picture of, yes, that's me, uh, younger, handsome uh, on the left there, um, she brought this out, and she didn't speak any English, but she looked me in the face and said in so many words this, I know who you are, and I know what you and your friends did for our family. Okay? Before I was even born. And, in a manner of speaking, if you want to, on an hour or so from now, pray with us and for us in Jesus' name, we'd be okay with that, which is what we did. You don't need a perfect life to point people to Jesus. Time with people is the basis of your witness. That's true here today in Pittsburgh, in Penfield, in Fairport, in Greece, in Rochester. It's true for you and me today. Time with people is the basis of your witness. And lastly, the goal of this whole story is for people to hear Jesus for themselves. The goal is for people to hear Jesus for themselves. As I said, this as wonderful as this testimony of this woman was, she said, come, it's not about me. Meet a man who changed my life. Verse 42. Then they said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, I circled this, and we know, we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Listen, guys, this is what being a Christian is all about right there. This is what being a Christian is all about, that other people in our lives will, it's all God's work, we're just a vehicle, we're an instrument, that they will know that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. Listen, this is what Christmas is about. Matthew chapter 1. They shall call his name Jesus, okay, which means he will save people from their sins. Okay, that's the whole point. Listen, this is what the church is supposed to be 
all about. And what's so beautiful about this account is it tells us, in way of summary, number one, you don't need to lead a perfect life to point people to Jesus. Listen, get over yourself. Stop believing lies about yourself that you need to be a perfect person to, to point other people to Jesus and get in the game of talking to the people that are already in your life. That behind their fancy cars and their wonderful jobs or their unfancy cars and unfancy jobs have a spiritual need that nothing in this world can fill. Okay? They need Jesus just like you did and just like I did. Second thing is, time with people is the basis of your witness. We gotta be around people, right? It's not a transaction. It's, in, it, it's that God with us. I've mentioned this to you guys before. Um, in all the years I've lived in this house, handful of years, I do this Christmas party. And, um, and the whole purpose of it, very low key, is just to spend time with my neighbors, okay? And of course, last year it was kiboshed because of the coronavirus, okay? I know you're all tired of hearing about it. But... Um, so this year, I'm you know, coming into this post-Thanksgiving, I'm not going to let this get me down. You know? And I uh, you know, uh, decide I'm going to go forward or try. So as it gets a little closer, I call one of my neighbors, you know, kind of the leader of the gang, you know, or you know, the, the bellwether, and I, I call him up and I said, hey, what do you think? We call it our Christmas party now. You know? He said, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, my wife and I were in. He said, in so many words, I can't say them all, right? You know, we're so sick and tired of this coronavirus, you know, we're in. But, he said, um, let me just tell you this. Because I was saying to him, what do you think? Should we? Should we? Should I? You know, is this going to be a bust? And he said, we're in because we're tired of this. And um, we're over it. <laughs> but he said, let me tell you this. They're young people. He said, my company Christmas party, canceled. My wife, company Christmas party, canceled. Our college friends that we hang out with, you know, post, canceled. So he goes, I'm just telling you, I'm not so sure. It might just be the three of us, you know, if you have this party. So I decided, okay, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, bring Christmas down, you know, <laughs> uh, not to have the party another year. But you know what? I also decided it's not the point. So I'm not going to let this get me down. It's about being with us. You know, God sent his son into the world to be with us. Jesus didn't say, come to Jerusalem. He said, I'm coming to Sakaar. So I did the next best thing. I created a little party in a bag, one very interesting, right? You know? And I brought it to them, at least the six neighbors, right? And, you know, talked in the driveway. Listen, guys, I know many of you, like me, are fatigued with the coronavirus. Thank you for being here today. You know, I'm glad to see you. It encourages me. And here's what I think. I'm fatigued too. But this too shall pass. And let's not let it get us down and let us go be with people. Right? Be with them. Because many people, you and I, to you and I, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a pain in the side, and it's an inconvenience, it's more than that, it's, it's just a frustration. But it doesn't, it doesn't really touch the Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
But can you imagine if you didn't have it? Okay? Which is true for the vast majority of the people that live in this city and that live in your neighborhood and not mine. Let's go to them. Time with them is the basis of your witness. And lastly, the goal is for people to hear Jesus for themselves. That's what this is about. Now we know this man is the savior of the world. How can you do that? How do I do that? Because Jesus doesn't live in my neighborhood, in a manner of speaking. Okay? But it says, because of his words, verse 41, many more became believers. Because they somehow, they not only heard a little bit about my life or your life, they heard his words. Okay? His words are what change people's lives. So how do you do that? Very simple. A couple quick ways you can do that. Even today, even this week, even this month. For the people that are in your lives, people you work with, people you hang with, that are just talking, you're talking about your life, be always prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope that lies in you. How do you do it? How do you manage your business difficulties? How do you raise kids in, a, in, a, in an upside-down world? How do you deal with your marriage uh, troubles? How do you deal with this, that, and the, the loss of jobs and the shuttering of the world? How do you do it? Be always ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope that lies within you. And then, you say, and then when someone says to you, well, I really appreciate that because my life is coming a little unglued here. My life is not holding together here. And you say, can I pray for you? And when you pray for somebody, it's one of the most powerful things you can do. Whoever, whatever background they have, you simply pray for them and it doesn't even have to be a whole verse, a verse of scripture. That's how you get God's word in there. Very, very simple. Other ways, you, you, you might, as I did, and wrote some cards to these friends, my neighbors, I talked to them, but also put a card. Simple verse of scripture. That's how, you might say, oh, that's so benign, that's so simple, don't underestimate the word of God and the power it can have on somebody's life. When someone doesn't have hope and doesn't have truth. And third, let me say this, very unapologetically, invite them, if they're open, if they're open, invite them to come to church. Listen, wait for it, Christmas Eve. Because here's what you're going to get. You know, your friends would have to be open to it. If you haven't done point one and point two, right, you realize that, you don't need to be a perfect person to point people to Jesus, and you need to be with people. That's the basis of your witness. But if you've gotten that far, okay, say, listen, hey, yeah, maybe we've got to wear a mask, and it's kind of a pain, right? But we're having church, and let me tell you the message. 1 John 1, 9, the true light. Jesus Christ is the true light that lights up Every man and woman who's open to it that comes into the world, period. That's Christmas Eve. It's a gospel message. So third thing you can do is invite someone to church on Christmas Eve. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. I'm so grateful to be standing here, Lord, and I know Boy, do I know, and I know you know, Lord, that I'm here for one reason and one reason only, because you sent your Son into the world, perfect, holy. He took on the form of a human being, the flesh of humanity, for the purpose, although he was not only a man, he was also a man, 
And he did that so that he could identify with the very worst in humanity when he hung on a cross and bore the punishment for our sins. Lord, we thank you for that. We love you for that. I'm so grateful for what you have done for me, what you've done for many of us. Many years I've enjoyed the benefit of knowing Christ as my Savior. Many, many years. And I'm so grateful. But Lord, I, I pray for all of us right now as we, as, we, as we just take a minute to think about the world that we live in, to take a minute to think about the, the reality of this world that has been shaken, Lord, upside down um, and is lost at sea in so many ways. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Lord, help us to take stock at what we have. Help us to see that people, oh my goodness, they're not the enemy, right? Uh, they are who you died for. And they are who you uh, continue to uh, live for through us. That we might be your instruments, imperfect as we are, right? Hard-pressed on every side, Lord, um, but not discouraged. Help us to be your messengers, um, to point people to Jesus, to go to them, Lord, in our lives, to call them, to care about them, to show up for them, uh, not as people who've arrived, who've got it all together, but who've met the Savior of the world by grace and faith, and Lord, who humbly point others to him. We pray that for us as a church. We pray for our, our world, Lord. Uh, God, I don't know what you're doing in the world today, I have no idea, but I do believe that you are sovereign over all things. Nothing happens outside of your um, control. Nothing is a surprise to you. All the world is your um, domain, right? Lord, help us to know that, to take faith and courage in that. Help us, Lord, to lift up our heads and open our hearts and be willing to see the world more past its troubles, past its uh, deep brokenness, to see it, uh, to see the people of this world, Lord, who are open and hungry for your love and grace, and to do what we can to point them to you in Jesus' name. Amen.